Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of the day you are watching this broadcast, this is Dr. Eric Tangumonkem with IEM Approach, where we inspire, equip, and motivate people to discover God's great potential in them, develop that potential, and deploy it. Nothing should prevent you, be it external or internal, from becoming all you were created to be. I've been talking about racism for a while now. And the purpose is not to stroke the flames of hate, discrimination, and segregation. The purpose is to make you understand that racism is dead. You may be surprised that I'm making this statement because when you turn on the news, all you hear is racism, racism, racism. We cannot allow a social construct. We cannot allow a social construct that is based on falsehood and perpetrated by those who have a nefarious agenda to divide, rule, and conquer, to continue. It's going to take each and every one of us to rise up and believe the truth, speak the truth, and walk in the truth. So far, I've demonstrated that some people have a need to be inferior, and some have a need to be superior. The interplay of this superiority complex and inferiority complex is what we should be focusing on and addressing. To use skin color, to separate people, to separate the human race into different races is baseless, is wrong, and it should be discarded. The so-called white and black divide does not exist. There is one human race. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. I can't emphasize this enough. What we are actually up against is an issue of the heart. The heart of man is deceptive, who can know it? And it is desperately wicked. Today, we are going to continue our discussion looking at stories from the past so that we can be able to forge a way forward. Before we do that, I have three basic things I would like you to do for me. 
I'm asking for your help. You who is watching, can you please do me a favor? It's not going to cost you anything. All what you need is some of the social capital you're already having. You have a lot of social capital. The first thing I want you to do is to support what I'm doing by sharing this broadcast. Share it, invite other people to join us. We need to have this conversation. We need to let our light shine so that the darkness of racism, the darkness of this social construct can be repelled. It's going to take each and every one of us to light our candles. I'm here to light your own candle, to encourage you to know that whatever people have said about you, which is not true, it's time to stand up, believe the truth, and walk in the truth. God says, I created you in my image and likeness. That is what you should believe. It doesn't matter what they've written in textbooks, it doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what you've been taught. I'm providing you with new information today. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to sense it. That is what it is. You need to believe that. Invite people, share, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Our goal is 100,000 subscribers. We need as many people as possible to get involved in this conversation. And the third thing I want you to do is to get a copy of my book, Racism, Where Is Your Sting? A provocative look at the beginning and the end of racism. Grab a copy, not just for yourself, but an extra copy for somebody else. This book contains a message of hope, a message that will set you free, a message that will set you on the path to become all you were created to be. I'm going to tell you today the story of one of my favorite characters in the Bible to racism and the way forward. And that is none else but Joseph. The story of Joseph has so many facets. However, I'm going to be looking at this story within the confines of the subject that we are talking about, the subject of racism, the subject of inequality, the subject of social injustice, the subject of discrimination, the subject of betrayal, the subject of slavery, the subject 
of wrongful imprisonment, the subject of betrayal, the subject of suffering, the subject of hopelessness, the subject of pain, the subject of misery, the subject of mistreatment, the subject of separation, the subject of imprisonment. There is so much in the life of Joseph that I plead with you to come along with me as we unfold his life and try to see some of the lessons he's going to teach us regarding forgiveness, regarding hope, regarding restoration, regarding temptation, a life of victory, and how to achieve your dreams. The life of Joseph is a life of dreams. It starts with dreams and ends with dreams. It's a very fascinating story. Today, I'm going to tell you the first part of the story. Tomorrow, we'll conclude the story and look at the lessons that Joseph teaches us as we grapple with this issue of racism and other isms in our societies today. Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. He had 11 other brothers. And his father, Jacob, loved him very much. This did not sit well with his brothers. The other 10 brothers hated him. They were jealous of him, they despised him, and they did not like him. You see a manifestation of the issues of the heart. To make matters worse, each time Joseph went out to the field with them to take care of the animals, he brought back bad reports to their father concerning his brothers. His brothers did not like the fact that Joseph would tell on them to their father that they were not behaving well. Insult to a wound. Jacob, Joseph's father, bought him a coat of many colors. This demonstration of love by his father on him alone made his brothers the more determined to pay back. As time went on, Joseph had two dreams. 
he dreamt one night that he and his brothers went to the field and harvested wheat, tied up the wheat in bundles. Each brother had one bundle. And when these were stacked up, 11 bundles fell down and only Joseph's bundle was standing. When his brothers heard this dream, it's amazing how they quickly interpreted the dream. They figured out Joseph was going to be their leader. This was uncertain and it did not make sense because in that society, the firstborn was usually the person who was going to be at the head of everybody else. But based on Joseph's dream, it was indicating that he was going to be their leader. And the brothers did not like this at all. Joseph told them his dream. And they hated him for that. He had a second dream that the moon, the sun, and 11 stars bowed down to him. This second dream took it a nudge higher. Even his father, when he heard it, he was like, Joseph, are you saying your mother and I are going to bow to you? You're going to be a leader over all of us? His brothers hated him the more. And they started conniving and planning what to do with him. They were waiting for an opportunity to strike. They were waiting for an opportunity to put his dreams to an end. Now, here is a family that some of the brothers don't like their brother, not because of his skin color. What is driving them is jealousy, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred. You name it. These are the issues we have to be confronting. Let's not get distracted. Let's not get distracted by the amount of melanin in people's skin. Let's not get distracted by the physical appearances. What is more deadly are the issues of the heart. What is more deadly is that anger, that jealousy, that envy, the greed, the selfishness that is manifested when people interact with each other. You can't tell me you are not paying people rightly because of their skin color. You are greedy. You want to keep the money for yourself. You are full of hate. How can somebody's skin color spoke you to the point that you wish them dead? It's because of the evil 
that is in your heart. Nothing to do with somebody's race. By the way, there's one human race. And we're already seeing a dysfunctional family here. Not because they looked different. The brothers were waiting for their opportunity and it came. One day, Joseph was sent by his father to go and give supplies to his brothers. And we are told, while Joseph was a little far off from his brothers, he was walking towards them. The brothers saw him from afar. And they started talking among themselves. Here comes the dreamer. We're going to kill him today and see what will become of his dreams. We're going to murder our own brother and see what becomes of his dreams. Can you imagine that? Brothers planning to kill the other brother, not because he looks different from them, not because of his skin color. We've already heard how the first two brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel because he was jealous, envious, and resentful of the fact that his sacrifice was accepted and he is rejected. What I'm driving at is this. When we see people hating, segregating, murdering, enslaving other people, it's not because of their race. It's not because of their skin color. It's driven by the wickedness in the heart of mankind. You may say, yeah, but they did it because of somebody's skin color. No. The brothers of Joseph, as we are going to see, are plotting to kill him, not because he was different from them. When Joseph showed up, his brothers caught him immediately and dumped him in a dry, a dry water well. Joseph is sitting in that well. It's dark in there. His brothers held an emergency meeting, plotting on what to do. Maybe some just thought, let's bury him in the well. He's already in there. Let's fill it up. God, in his divine provision, delivered Joseph in a way that didn't make sense. Because as the brothers were contemplating on how to kill him, they saw some Ishmaelite traders going down to Egypt. And one of the brothers said, hmm, what do we have to lose here? If we kill our brother, we're not going to make any money. Let's sell him. Sell him so that we know if he goes to Egypt as a slave, 
There is no hope, zero chance for him ever to become a leader over us. He's as good as dead if we sell him to Egypt. See how money trumps all? What fuels slavery in the United States of America and all other parts of the world? What fueled it? Money, money, money. One of the greatest arguments against slavery when people were pushing for slavery to be abolished was livelihood. We're going to lose our livelihood. Free labor? We can't let go of free labor. How are we going to make money if we don't have people to be working our plantations for free? How are we going to make money if we don't have people taking care of our houses for free? How are we going to make money if we don't have free labor? It's always the money. And remember, Joseph's own brothers sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver to strangers. The Europeans showed up in Africa looking for goods to buy and sell. Some of the Africans were like, yeah, an opportunity to make money, to get stuff. And they caught their own brothers and sold them to strangers with little regard for what was going to happen to their own flesh and blood. I mean, some historians have said different ethnic groups caught people from different ethnic groups and sold. Or some said they sold the criminals that they had in their midst. Whatever justification is given is wrong. It's wrong. It doesn't matter what prompted them to sell those people. It's wrong. What the brothers of Joseph did to their brother was wrong. They cut their own brother, stripped him of the coat of many colors, sold him to strangers to take him down to Egypt. Then the brothers came up with an embellished lie. Just as a lot of lies today. That will be made to believe. They caught an animal, killed it, tore the coat of many colors, put the blood of the animal on it, and took it back home to their dad and told him, look at what we found. The coat of your son, killed by wild animals. Joseph believed them. And cried, oh, my son, Joseph, I lost my son. While animals of eating my son, I lost my son. Just because something is said doesn't make it true. Jacob believed the lie that his son had been killed. Meanwhile, the son was a slave in Egypt, sold by his own brothers. There is a lot of parallels between the life of Joseph and our African-American 
brothers here in the United States, and I'm going to spend some time to dig deeper into that. Betrayed by his own blood, sold by his own brothers for no apparent reason, apart from the fact that they were jealous of him, they envied him, and they did not want his dreams to come true. They hated him, and they sold him because of money. Poor Joseph, taken away from his father at a young age, shackled for no crime that he had committed, and taken off to a foreign land and enslaved to work for no pay. When Joseph got to Egypt, he was sold a second time to Potiphar. He was a captain of the guard of Pharaoh. While Joseph was a slave, we are told God was with him. How could God be with him under those circumstances? How did God not free him? You may ask. God's timing is different from our own. It's important to know that. Joseph started with a dream. And that dream had to take in places for it to be made manifest. Joseph saved Potiphar very well, even as a slave. He didn't complain. He put in his all, and Pharaoh prospered. Then the mistress of Joseph, the wife of Potiphar, took notice of Joseph. He was handsome, strong, good-looking. And this woman decided to pursue Joseph and ask him to sleep with her, to commit adultery, to have sex with her. Joseph thought about it and told her, look, woman, your master has placed me in charge of everything in this house except you. I can't commit such an evil against God. It is wrong. I can't do it. We are told the woman kept pursuing Joseph day in, day out. And one day, when everybody else was out of the house, this woman called Joseph to come into the room. He was doing the normal chores at home. And the woman held Joseph and pleaded, Joseph, please, I need you, I want you. I remember Joseph is a young man. He's not married. His hormones are charging. But Joseph decided to break free. And as he ran away from this woman, she hurled his robe, tore it off. And she turned from 
please, Joseph, have fun with me to Joseph. I'm going to make you pay. When her husband came back, she said, look at what the Hebrew slave tried to do. He wanted to rape me. Joseph had his own Me Too moment. Who could doubt the word of this woman? She had evidence, A, she was having his rope, the tone rope with her. And there was no way Joseph could dispute against that. Poor Joseph. How could he obey God? And instead of being rewarded, now he's been wrongly accused. The judgment was swift. Joseph was sent to prison where Pharaoh's officials were imprisoned. I want you to understand something. Even though Joseph was a slave, he was free in his mind because he understood who the true master was. As a slave, Joseph had zero Right. He was owned and he had to do what the master told him to. And if his master's wife wanted him, how dare him, how dare him say no. You know, Joseph could have said, I'm a slave. This woman owns me. She can do as she pleases. In fact, that is the way the slaves were treated here in the United States. The masters did as they pleased. Some of them had children with their slaves, turned around and sold these children to other people. It's very sad. However, Joseph was free, even though he was in shackles, because he could say, I would rather fear God, not fear man. And that is something I want you to remember today, and Joseph went to prison. And in prison, we are told, even though he was sent to prison wrongly, even though there was no justice done, even though he was in prison on trumped charges, Joseph was not bitter. He still went along his job in prison. And the chief prison officer took notice of him and placed him in charge of all the other prisoners. Joseph did not allow the betrayer, the mistreatment, and all what he had been through to prevent him from reaching out to others, from having compassion towards his fellow prisoners. We know this because we are told one morning, Joseph noticed that one of the prisoners was not happy. He had a puzzling look on his face. He was dejected and downcasted. And Joseph cared enough to ask him, 
What's wrong with you? You're not looking good this morning. What's going on? You know, Joseph forgot about his own pain. He forgot about his own suffering and thought about others. Think about that. And this prisoner opened up to him. Oh, I had a dream last night. You know, I used to be the co-bearer of Pharaoh. This is somebody who would taste the wine before the Pharaoh drinks, just in case if somebody poisoned the wine, the co-bearer would take the blunt. No, I dreamt last night and I was back in the service of the Pharaoh and I was squeezing wine in his cup and giving him to drink. When Joseph listened to the dream, he told the man, you know, all interpretations of dreams come from God. And this is what your dream means. In three days, you're going to be released from this prison and you'll be restored to your former position. When this man had the dream, oh, he was excited. And there was another prisoner. He too was listening as Joseph was interpreting that dream. And he too had a dream. This man used to be the chief baker for Pharaoh. He made bread for Pharaoh. And this is a dream he had. He too was perplexed and troubled. I had a dream. And in that dream, I was carrying a huge basket on my head filled with all sorts of baked goods. And out of a sudden, the birds of the air flew from all directions, landed on that basket and add up everything. Joseph looked at him and told him, this is what your dream means. In three days, you are going to be released. And we hang you and allow your body to rot. In this day of political correctness, in this day of wokeness, how dare Joseph speak the truth? How dare Joseph keep the death sentence to this man? How dare Joseph interpret this man's dream in a way that makes him uncomfortable. How dare Joseph speak the truth without sugarcoating it? How dare Joseph be so straightforward and honest? How dare Joseph tell this man the truth? I want you to think about it. Who in their right mind would tell somebody you're going to be released from prison after three days and they will hang you and allow the birds to pluck your body? Who in their right mind would do that? Where did all the sensitivity training go to? 
Do you often wonder why we've been able to send people on the moon, conquer the skies, conquer the land, conquer everything, yet we've made very little progress on conquering the issues of the heart. Does it trouble you that our prison population is going up? Does it trouble you the amount of adoption, murder, murder that is going on? Does, it, does, does the crime rate trouble you? The drug addictions, the mayhem, the divorce, the suicides. Do you think about these things, what is going on? Issues of the heart, issues of the heart. Joseph was honest. He was truthful. It's amazing, as you're going to see. He did not shoot himself in the foot. He spoke it the way it was. One prisoner, yeah, you're going to be released. The other one, you will die. Take it or leave it. That's what your dream is. I didn't make it up. I'm just a messenger. I'm delivering the news. And that is where we are today. If you open the word of God and read it and tell people what it is saying, you're going to be accused of being hateful, unloving, unkind. Do you know the most unloving, unkind thing somebody can do to you? It's not telling you the truth. It's not telling you the truth. Sell all to hear nothing but the truth. Give up all to know nothing but the truth. Because it is only the truth and the truth alone that will set you free. It's appointed unto man who wants to die. And after that, there is judgment. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That has no change. You can refuse it. You can deny it. You can say, I don't believe it. It's just like saying, I don't believe in gravity. Yeah. It's there. If you jump off a roof, you will know. You feel gravity. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Only God can know it. And that's why we need to go back for, to God for reconciliation and forgiveness. It's simple. If we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, confess in our mind that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. After, Jesus, after Joseph interpreted the dreams of these two prisoners, three days, it happened exactly as he had predicted. The chief baker was released and hanged. The cupbearer was restored to his former duty and he forgot about Joseph. That's what we are told. Two years 
passed. Then Pharaoh had another dream. Pharaoh had another dream and he couldn't sleep. Pharaoh couldn't sleep because of his dream. In fact, he had two dreams. But the two dreams meant one and the same thing. The first dream, he was by the Nile. And out of the Nile came seven, seven, seven fattened cows. And Pharaoh marveled at how plump the cows looked and how well fed they looked. Then what scared him was seven other cranky cows came out from the Nile and ate up those seven fat cows. And the most shocking thing is that after those seven cows ate, the fattened cows, they appeared as if they had not eaten anything. Pharaoh woke up and like, whoa, I've been having dreams, but this one is different. He called all the magicians in Egypt, the soothsayers, the wise men, to tell him the meaning of the dream, and none of them could. When Pharaoh was getting more perplexed, that's when the cobbler said, Oh, I remember, I remember a Hebrew slave, a Hebrew slave that I met when I was sent to prison. I had a dream. And the dream said, he interpreted the dream and said, I was going to be restored. And the chief baker also had a dream and he said he was going to be killed. And everything happened as he had predicted. Now remember, if Joseph had allowed political correctness, if he had allowed the, 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 the desire to please people, to influence his interpretation of the two dreams, he would have mortgaged his future. When Pharaoh heard that two people had dreams and the interpretations came out exactly, one positive, one negative, he knew this guy must be the real deal. That is why the actions you take today, what you're doing right now, you have to think about the consequences and ramifications in the future. Remember, we're talking about a slave. We're talking about somebody who was yanked from his father's house and taken to a foreign country for no fault of his own. We're talking about him being discriminated, imprisoned, lied upon. And the time is coming for him to get a break. Pharaoh said, go to the prison immediately and bring out this guy. Change his prison clothes, wash him up, dress him neatly, bring him before me. Let's see what's going on. That's how Joseph was freed from prison, brought before Pharaoh. And he told Pharaoh, interpretations of dreams come from God. Pharaoh yeah, two dreams mean one and the same thing. There are going to be years of famine, years of plenty, seven years of plenty in Egypt, seven years of plenty. who we'll have so much abundance, we won't know what to do with it. But after that, there's going to be famine for another seven years. And it will be so bad that people will forget the years of plenty. And Joseph went ahead and gave a proposal. 
during the seven years of plenty, let's gather food, build storehouses and put the food in there. So that during the seven years of famine, we will distribute this food so that people will not starve. And Pharaoh marveled and said, wow, this guy is full of wisdom. And only the gods have such wisdom. And so he made Joseph the prime minister, second in command in Egypt. Not because there was some protest on the street, because Joseph brought solutions to a problem. Nothing could hold him back when he rose up to the occasion and became relevant. We are going to look at the brothers of Joseph showing up, what happened, and then we'll wrap it by looking at the lessons that Joseph is teaching us and how we can use it to combat racism. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Tune in tomorrow. Don't forget to get a copy of your book. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel. God bless you. Have a fantastic rest of your day.